The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Um, I'm Troy Linton. When I was uh, young, I lost my mother at an early age, moved with my, my dad and my stepmom. Uh, my, my dad was married with my stepmom when I was a child of adultery. I ended up moving into a household with uh, my other siblings who were uh, into dealing drugs. At one point in time in my life, I just thought being the biggest drug dealer in the metropolitan area would be something good. You know, eventually I ended up going to prison. I went in there, I had a plan, you know, cause I knew this is, that wasn't a place that I wanted to be. Eventually I do get home, I do, I do get free, I come home. One of my friends decided, you know, to take me out one night. We had a good time that night and um, I, uh, we took some pictures. Uh, he ended up taking them to work, showing them off to all the to ladies at work. And uh, it was this one particular young lady that took a liking to me at that time. We ended up hooking up, and um, I uh, ended up marrying this young lady. So she ended she ends up she ended up leaving. To make a long story short, she ended up leaving. One day, she pulls up around where I was hanging out at. And um, she said, uh, you know, she says, Troy, um, I gotta get something from them. We go back to the apartment I was staying in and um, she uh, gets her things and then we get into this real bad argument. She hit me, um, I grabbed her and um, I put her out the house. 9.30 that night, I uh, get a knock on the door and I look out the peephole and it's her. And I'm, you know, I paid no mind. So I opened the door, it's her. She says, goodbye. And then I looked on the wall where the stairwell was and it was two guys with guns standing there. Immediately, one of the guys put the gun to my head. He took a shot to the point where I, I, I felt the steel on my forehead. But I realized I was still moving. I, I was functioning, I didn't fall. At that point, I'm just trying to fight to get away from the other guy, which was her ex-boyfriend. So he gets up and he takes a shot, bam! And he shoots me in my stomach area. And I start knocking on my neighbor's door. I'm like, help, you know, somebody help me, I've been shot. Nobody answers the door. I just got this uh, feeling and I said out loud, I said, I'm, I'm not going to die. How will your story end? And is how you're living now how you want to finish? Let me repeat that so I can really give you a chance to think about that. Is how you're living now, how you want to finish? How will your story end? Uh, for me personally, maybe let me just lighten the mood a little bit. Um, I've had plenty of experiences with, uh, not, well, I'll just say this, running experiences, I've done some endurance running, and I have one particular moment when I, I felt like the way my story in that race ended was not good. Uh, I, I got into running uh, long distance and started doing some marathons, and my best time yet uh, of any marathon, 
Uh, the, what I remember most about the race was not that it was my best time. It was that I can't really remember well the last about half a mile of that race because as I was going through the finish line, uh, my world started getting darker and darker and darker. And I can remember running to one point and then realizing that that wasn't the finish line. And I was literally feeling delirious and realized I had to go further. And they, they take pictures of you when you're at the end. And I got to the finish line and I remember I actually stood on the finish line with my hands on my head and uh, some individuals walked up to me, some volunteers, and they said, are you okay? And like a typical guy, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then I literally collapsed right on them. Uh, I was still awake, but I physically couldn't stand up and I collapsed. Uh, they dragged me to the med tent and eventually brought me to the ER where they realized that I was uh, severely dehydrated and I was uh, in heat exhaustion. Uh, and I did start going into like partial organ failure. But what was more upsetting was like how delirious I felt. And so now when I look back on my best time in any marathon, what I remember is not running, not running or having a great race, but collapsing at the very end and ending up in the ER and it being a really uh, difficult story. And, and here's why I share that because I feel like so many times when we turn on the news and we hear about other people in our life, what we hear about are the stories of individuals that crashed and burned. Their life collapsed in, in moral collapse, in corruption, in, in hurting people. And, and we see it, right? We hear about politicians that their life just like wrecked. They, we hear about priests and pastors and business leaders and husbands and fathers. And, and what we know around us is there's a lot of people who are crashing and burning and their lives are a wreck. And, and our experience, our, our basically what we take away from is like, man, there are not many people that finish well. There are many people that live their lives in such a way that they not only live intensely and they live and do great things, but they actually do it for the long haul and there's someone that we could admire even at the end of their life and, and maybe uh, you're here and you're a little bit skeptical even of being in church and so let me just speak to that for a moment. Uh, first I'd like to just say uh, welcome to Lifehouse especially those of you that are each one of our campuses. Uh, if, if you're joining us at our Chambersburg campus and you're new to Lifehouse we want to say welcome. If you're joining us uh, at uh, our Cinemas campus or you're at our Wilson campus we want to welcome you to Lifehouse but maybe you're coming in new and you're skeptical. You're skeptical of the church because of what you see on the news. You're skeptical of pastors because of what you see on the news. You're skeptical because, you know, you've seen Christians around you who, um, if God really is all he says he is, and if faith really makes that big of a difference, then why do we hear the stories of so many pastors and so many leaders who are wrecking their lives? And why are so many Christians not doing life well toward the very end? And so maybe you have uh, some skepticism there, and I would just kind of say to you, yeah, I get it, me too. Like, I'm, I'm right there with you, and, and let me explain why I say that. Um, 
In a few months here, actually in about six months, Laura and I are going to celebrate 20 years of marriage, and so super excited. I, I know you're, you've seen my wife, and you're like, I don't know how that's possible that she could be married for 20 years. You, you look at me, and you think, I wouldn't be surprised if he's been married 40 years, but certainly my wife looks like she's only been married for five, and, and, uh, but at the same time we were getting ready to get married, I all, we also started in full-time vocational ministry, and it, the reason I bring that up is for this purpose. Um, a couple months before I got married and was going into full-time vocational ministry, I wouldn't say it was a panic attack. It certainly was not that, but I became very anxious. I wasn't getting cold feet. I had been dating my wife for five years. At, you know, at the time, my girlfriend, I was her fiance, I was super excited to get married. But here is what was happening at that time. So almost 20 years ago, I was at a place where I was looking at all of these people, hearing the news, and I was like, if they can't finish well, what makes me believe that I'll finish? What, why? I don't want to start something that I'm going to wreck. Meaning, here, here was my attitude. I was like, I don't want to get married and then hurt my wife and hurt my kids and, and destroy the people that I, I love right now. I'd rather not get married than to get married and ruin people. And, and, you know, seeing pastors and leaders that I respected who wreck their life, I thought, I don't want to go into ministry and then wreck it and then blow it. I'd rather not start then start and not do it well. And, and so I was in this crisis mode where I really didn't know what to do. I, I kind of like, I, I don't want to even start. And, and so if you're in that place where you're skeptical, you're maybe even cynical, I'm with you. And I'm like, I totally get it. Now, now obviously, there's a little bit of a giveaway because I'm standing here today. And so, you know, clearly I took a next step. It's kind of like Troy's story. You, you know that he survived, right? Like some of you are like, wait, did he live? <laughs> no, I know you wouldn't think that. Um, but, but right, so there's a little bit of a giveaway. I'm standing here 20 years later, but my point is like, if you're cynical, if you're skeptical, if you're a little concerned, I'm with you and I get it. I, I, wanna, I wanna bring you back. Because what, what maybe what you and I need are some principles that we can anchor our life on as we look at others that did it well. And, and that's what I want to do today, uh, looking at this guy, Paul, the Apostle Paul. His story is recorded uh, in the New Testament of the Bible, specifically in the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is written by this guy, Luke. Luke was a physician a well-respected doctor and an academic. Here is a scholar who investigates the, the life of Jesus, the people who knew Jesus, and he writes what becomes known as the gospel according to Luke about the account of the life of Jesus. And then he also studies and watches the lives of Jesus' followers. He becomes so convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, that he gives his life to following Jesus, believing in Jesus, and supporting those that believe in Jesus. Luke then goes on to write this book of Acts account of the early church, and one of the key figures he focuses on is this guy, Paul. And he becomes a close friend of Paul's and a support to Paul. And so we've been looking at the life of Paul through the eyewitness lens of this guy, Luke. Now, when we look at the, the, the life of the Apostle Paul, here's some important things for you to know. The Apostle Paul's life kind of story, when we were introduced to him, it starts off with a bang, okay? I mean, almost 
well, at least metaphorically a bang, he's murdering Christians, all right? So he hates Christians, he's a religious terrorist, uh, and, and he endorses the mob rule where they rise up, they're angry, they attack Stephen, and they murder him. And that's, that's how the story of Paul begins, but he, he converts from being a religious terrorist to becoming a religious leader. He, he goes from hating Christians to becoming a Christian, and, uh, and then he gives his life to inviting others to becoming Christians. That's a, that's a, a radical change. But check this out. He, he doesn't just encourage people to become Christians. He, he goes from city to city using his business to help start churches across Asia and Europe. But along the way, he gets beaten by rods. He gets attacked and pelted with stones in three different cities. Uh, while he's traveling, he ends up getting shipwrecked three times, lost at sea for an entire day. He gets bitten by poisonous snakes. He gets locked up and arrested multiple times. He gets arrested and sentenced to death in Rome. Here, here's a guy who, uh, it would have been easy for him to be like, this is ridiculous. I mean, this life that, I, that I'm now living is not worth it. It would have also been easy for him to have compromised and thrown in the towel. But the story of the Apostle Paul is that he ends up getting put to death, totally devoted to his faith in Jesus and brutally martyred for his devotion to Jesus, never once turning his back on his faith, a faith that he once persecuted. In the process, he has started at least 14 churches. And what would later become the New Testament of the Bible, the apostle Paul wrote 14 uh, of those New Testament books. So there's 26 letters and books that make up the New Testament. He wrote 14 of them. So more than half of the New Testament is written by this guy, the Apostle Paul. And so I thought, here's a guy that we can learn something from. I mean, if you want to learn something from a guy who didn't just start the race and didn't crash at the end of the race, but actually did this thing well, here's a guy we can learn from. And so I want to bring you to two letters that he wrote. One of them is one of the earliest letters he wrote. One of them is one of the last letters he wrote. Because I think that he gives you some key thoughts about how, what he says in the middle and what he says at the end. The first letter is written to the church in the city of Corinth. And so I'm gonna jump and I'm gonna read this passage to you in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, where he writes this. Do you realize, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Meaning, I mean, what he's saying here is, don't just run like you're out on an afternoon jog. Some of you are like, I don't even go on an afternoon jog. Um, but he's saying like, look, run hard. Give it all you've got. Run in such a way that you're actually doing your best to try to win. That, that's his point. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Now, 
please hear me. He is not saying run in order to earn eternal life. What he's saying is that your life has purpose. Don't run casually as if like you're just out for a jog. I want you to run hard. Imagine all these athletes, all these people that they're given every ounce of everything they've got to play football, to play soccer, to, to play baseball, to, to run in a race, and they're doing it just to, to win a championship. He goes, I, I want you to know that you're running for rewards that last forever. So I run, now he's turning to himself. He goes, I want you to know this. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Me, me, I'm not just like casually like making it up, just kind of having a little bit of fun. No, I, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should because I realize that on its own, my body won't do what it should. I know left to its own, I will do things that hurt me and disqualify me. In fact, that's his kind of whole point as he lands this passage. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What he's saying is I don't want to be another statistic. I don't want to be another person that you look at in your life and you feel disappointed by. I, I want to run my, I want to live my life in such a way that I'm not just running hard and I'm not just giving it all I've got, but that I don't disqualify myself and end up on the news as another statistic, another person that we look at and go, yeah, you see that hypocrite? Yeah, you see that guy who told everybody else how to live, but he was living lies in secret. So then this is the la one of the last letters the Apostle Paul writes, and it's written to a young man that he had trained, and he had apprenticed. His name was Timothy. Timothy was pastoring the church in the city of Ephesus, and he writes this letter to him from prison to encourage him. And he says this, 2 Timothy, so the second letter of to Timothy, chapter 4, he goes, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. So he's using some terminology they would, that Timothy would have understood, but he's saying like, my life is already being poured out as if you were pouring out a gift to God. And the time for my departure is near me. I'm getting ready to get put to death. I'm getting ready to die. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Wow, what a statement. He goes like this, he goes, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. He goes, so this is, this is what happens when you keep the faith, when you finish the race. There's in store for me a crown of righteousness, meaning I get to eternity and God says, well done. You've done well. He goes, that's the, you, you've lived rightly which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, but not just only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the part that I want to take hold of. I'm like, I want that. I want to be a guy that I know that I live my life in such a way that someday in eternity, I, I stand before God and God looks at me and says, you've lived right. Well done. You've been good. You've been faithful. And you've been my servant. I'm pleased with you. And so there's a takeaway here. The challenge is this, and, I, and I'm going to borrow this from the, uh, the Olympic Creed. In 1968, 
uh, in Tokyo, Japan, they, they put this creed in lights, and, and basically the, the last statement I'm going to give to you, uh, the Olympic creed, uh, what they said was, it's not that you win, it's that you have given your best. It's very much like life. It's not that you triumph, but that you do not quit. The goal is to fight well. I love that, and so I want to borrow from that and give you the principle that the Apostle Paul is teaching us from this lesson, and it's simply this. This is what I encourage you to write down if you're taking notes, if you're on your smartphone or your tablet, this is what you type in. You can type it in all caps so that your friends can see it, and hopefully somebody else can be inspired by what you're learning. The key is this, live to finish well. Would you, would you make a note of that? I want you to make a note and put this note somewhere where you're gonna see it again. Maybe this is one of those few notes that you write down and you put it on your refrigerator or you write it onto your mirror or you put it on your, your, your uh, steering wheel so you can see it on a regular base. I wanna live to finish well. There's a difference between running and running to finish well. There's a difference between just racing fast and racing to finish well. And hopefully when you hear that, you go, I want that. That's how I wanna live. Give me that. And the challenge is we don't do it, do we? No, no, no. It's, you know how rare it is to go to a funeral and actually give it a, a recounting of the life of someone who lived to finish well? I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody you know or you've recently grieved over. But the truth is we all have seen way too many statistics of those that didn't finish well. And so I want to challenge you, live to finish well. So why is it that this is not just hard, but seems impossible? I'll, I'll give you why. Because inside of us, there is a deeper force. So we have willpower to want to give it all we've got. We, maybe you even have something that drives you to do your best and give your best and to love your family and love your kids or work hard. But there's something even deeper than that drive that is actually undermining it. There is a spiritual sabotaging force inside of every one of us that is setting us up not to finish well. That spiritual sabotaging force is what biblical authors and Jesus referred to as sin. The point is, because of this sin inside of us at a very deep level, we will not finish well. What? Thanks for the encouragement, Patrick. Well, wait, hold up here. Here's what sin does. Sin spreads inside of us. Sin, in essence, is constantly trying to trip us. It's constantly trying to kick our legs out from underneath us. Sin is trying to deceive us, telling us that if you do this, it will feel good. But what it doesn't tell us is it might feel good, but it will knock your legs out from underneath you. Underneath you. It tells us that these desires inside of us are good for us, but it doesn't tell us they'll destroy us. It, it tells us that if I give in to my anger, it'll feel good. Oh, it'll feel good, but it'll wreck your marriage. It, it tells us that if I give in to this addiction, that'll make me feel better. Oh, it'll make you feel better for a moment, but it will also wreck your entire life. You, you see, sin tricks us and actually trips us. That's not even the worst part. Sin separates us from relationship with God so that we go in the wrong direction and sin leads to eternal ruin. 
But God was unwilling to leave you and I on a life race headed toward the ER, headed toward ruin, headed toward judgment. And so God intervened in our story and in our race. He entered our race. And Jesus took on the fight with sin. So what he did was he, when he went to the cross, it wasn't because he deserved to die. Jesus took your eternal judgment, my eternal judgment. He took that sabotaging sin that is alive inside of every one of us at that deep level, and he put it on himself, the guilt and the shame that we carry, the, the judgment that deep inside of us, we know we deserve, he took on himself. So that when he died, he died once for all. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sin and given new and forever life. Now check this out. When you believe in Jesus by faith, what that means is that God's spirit enters into your spirit. And now because his spirit is in your spirit, you live forever, which means you're empowered to finish well because you're not living just to finish this life. You are living for eternal life. You're, you know that the finish line of your life is not death. You're, you're running your life all the way through eternity. And so with God's spirit in your spirit, because you believe in Jesus by faith, now he gives you the spirit and the power to overcome the sabotaging force of sin and live a new and eternal life. You get this? You, you with me here? So here's Here's my encouragement to you, that you can live to finish well. Your story doesn't have to end the way you're living right now. And that's what I so appreciate about Troy being willing to share his story. Because you can kind of hear from him how he was able to turn his story around from where he was headed and how it looked like he was going to finish his story. So check this out. The doctors come in the hospital room and, um, they say, uh, you know, you're a lucky man. The bullet that was meant for my head actually ricocheted off the top of my head. And the bullet that penetrated me, it traveled, it traveled through the back of my stomach and it stopped at my spleen. He said an inch away from my lung. After the hospital, I didn't quite get it, get it together. But every time I looked, you know, at my stomach where I had surgery. It always reminds me, always remind me of where I was. It's amazing how, um, how things played out. I called a friend of mine who, that, who I knew that was in the church, him and his wife. Him and his wife used to go to church every Sunday. So um, I called him, I said, I said, hey man, you know, I said, I, I, I think I wanna go to church with you on Sunday. I gave my life to Christ on that Sunday. And I haven't looked back. I remarried, I have an eight-year-old daughter. I was um, ordained as a deacon at my, my former church. You know, my wife now, she's, uh, she's very supportive of me. Even with me moving to Hagerstown, being right across the street, living right across the street from the prison where I did my time at. You know, I have a passion for people that come home from prison. It, it kind of hurts because I wish that I could lend them a hand and show them the way or have some type of mentor or be some type of mentor to them. So I feel that God moved me out here for that reason, to start some type of ministry, some type of uh, outreach program to uh, cater to those type of people. They feel like they don't have any hope. And I just want to show them that there is hope.
So let's unpack the teaching of the Apostle Paul. As we heard Troy's story, how can we apply that to our life so that we live to finish well? I want to give you uh, a couple principles. I hope you write down. So the next time you're stumbling or the next time you're struggling with whether you want to continue forward, that you remember this and you say, no, I'm going to live to finish well. And so how do we live to finish well? So I'm going to take those passages that I read to you. I'm going to break them into a couple parts here. And then we're going to look at what principle we can apply to our lives today in order to live to finish well. And so the first one is this, and I hope that you catch it as I read it. The Apostle Paul is writing in that first letter to the Corinthian church where he says, so I run with purpose. And every step I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. And, and then check this out. Um, so he's saying in, in this one, I train, I work, I discipline myself. And then this is what he writes toward the end of his life. I, I love this. So, right, so now we're going to jump to 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he says this, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. One, one of the things I really appreciate is... The faith that he says he kept, kept him. It was his faith in Jesus that kept him moving forward in order to finish well. You're, you're not going to finish well on your own. None of us have that kind of endurance because sin consistently sabotages everyone's best intentions. And so when you yield your best intentions to a Savior who is the strength that enables us to finish well, then the faith that we keep will keep us. Did you catch that? I hope you wrote that down. But here, here is the takeaway I want you to get from what he's writing here where he said, I disciplined myself. And then at the end, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. It's this. I want you to run well today. So I'm going to give you a little... Uh, I guess maybe just personal insight, meaning share a little bit about my backstory. Run well today. When I got to that place where I was feeling very anxious about getting married and going into vocational ministry because I feared that I would not finish well, I actually went into counseling. As a young man, I mean, I was, I think I was 20, uh, yeah, 21, 22 years old, scared to death of starting because I was afraid I wasn't going to finish well. And I can remember in that counseling session, counselor saying to me, Patrick, what are you looking for? And I said, I want to I guarantee that 10 years from now, I'm not going to have wrecked my life. So you guarantee me that. And I, I went through a list. I'm like, I know this person and this person and this marriage collapsed and this guy blew up his church and hurt people. And I said, I'm not going to start unless I know I'm going to finish. I don't know why I picked 10 years, but that seemed like a long way away. And uh, I remember in that conversation, he, he, he said to me, so how do you guarantee 10 years from now? Counselors are terrible. Because all they do is make you figure it out. But I, I, I was wrestling with this. I was like, well, he said, what, what is 10 years? I said, well, I guess 10 years is 365 todays times 10. Hold up, this is important. So I realized in that conversation that if I lived yesterday's tomorrow well, and then lived the next yesterday's tomorrow well, and then lived the next yesterday's tomorrow well, every single today will set me up for the best tomorrow. 
I can't guarantee 10 years from now, but what I can do is live it well today. Run well today, and you will run well tomorrow, right? Remember, today is just yesterday's tomorrow. If I run well today, if I give it my best today, if I discipline myself today, if I honor God today, if I have a pure heart today, tomorrow will take care of itself. And if you do that every day, guess what happens? You get 10 years down the road, now, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you get 20 years down the road and you can look back with a clear conscience, a pure heart, and know I have run every day, ran every day well, which means I can't try to accomplish everything in one day. Hey, look, I know you have big dreams. Stop trying to accomplish all those dreams in one day and just take one step toward them today. And then when you get up tomorrow, remember that today is yesterday's tomorrow and take one more step and do it right. Do it well. Discipline yourself. Work hard. Be diligent. Give it your best today so that at the end, you can look back and say, I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race, meaning I lived every day well. Now, some of you, you're looking at your life, you're going, I, I didn't live it well. Okay, okay. There's no better time than today to turn it around. You're just another Troy in the making. You probably don't have a bullet stuck in you somewhere. So, hey, even if you're bleeding out, there's a chance for you to turn it around today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't procrastinate life transformation. Don't wait for your comeback to happen tomorrow. Start today. Run well today. Now, there's another principle of this. Check it out. Let's jump back to the first letter to the Corinthian church where he says, otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Could you imagine the apostle Paul going, I don't want to wreck myself. I realize that I could tell everyone else about this amazing good news and then I could get off track and wreck my life. And I don't want to do that. So I discipline myself and I run well today because I don't want to disqualify myself from this good race. And then he says this to Timothy. Now there is in store for me. So this is how he concludes. He goes, you know what? Now I know as I approach the end of my life, the end of my race, there's in store for me a crown of righteousness. I know that when I pass from this life to the next life, there is Jesus, my Savior, waiting there with a, an award, a crown of well done, you've lived right, crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There's a principle here, and that is this. It's not just running well, it's running honestly today. Would you write that down? Run honestly today. Here's the key. It means that every day, I'm gonna keep a short list with God. Every day, I'm gonna repent. Before I go to bed tonight, this is how I'm gonna approach it. God, is there anything growing or planted in my life that if it were to continue to grow, it would destroy me? It would destroy others. It would ruin me. It would ruin others. It would disqualify me. 
Is there any sin growing inside of me? So you imagine every word, every thought, every decision is like a seed. So are there any seeds that I planted today that if they continue to grow, they're going to hurt me and hurt others? And here's what I would do. Tonight, I will, I'm going to uproot those seeds. God, forgive me. God, help me. God, remove those things from my life. God, I ask you for your forgiveness and take that seed out of my life. I said a word I shouldn't have said. I made a decision I shouldn't have made. I, 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 I went in a direction of greed over generosity. I demanded someone to serve me rather than to serve them. I, I had a bad attitude. God, would you uproot that from my life? Here's why. So that I run honestly today. If you keep a short list with God, then you don't have a long list tomorrow to repent of. You don't have a lot of seeds to uproot. So I, I just know that I'm going to make a fair amount of mistakes, and I don't want to save a whole bunch more work tomorrow. And so I figure, let me clean up the, let me clean up the seeds today, and then tomorrow, when I get to tomorrow, let me clean up those. And just make sure that I have a pure heart and a clear conscience every night when I go to bed. Boy, a clear conscience makes for a soft pillow, doesn't it? And then, and then another thing when it comes to um, this idea of running honestly today is to evaluate the speed of my life. I, imagine yourself, maybe you've done this like I have because I'm a crazy guy, but when I was a kid, you know, like getting on something like a skateboard and then you go down the hill and you sit on it, you ever, you know, like maybe like a sled, and, and you get it and you're going down a hill and it was really fun when you started and then you're sitting on it and now you're going faster and faster and then you're like, uh-oh, because you realize at some point like, this is not going to end well. And, and you can see the crash coming. Some of you are living your life at such a pace that you can feel an impending wreck. Live your life at a sustainable pace by evaluating, can I sustain the way I'm living? And then pace yourself today. And then the final thing I want to challenge you with is this. Run together. Having done a fair amount of endurance races, one of the really bonding and powerful things about an endurance race is that you really, uh, you really do depend on others to cheer for you, to run with you, and to finish with you. You and I, we need people in our life. You, you need someone to tell you to slow down. You're going too fast. You need someone to kick you a little bit and go, speed it up. You're dragging your feet. You and I, we were designed to run with others. We need to be in relationships with others who challenge us in right living. I need someone that I can be totally vulnerable with. Someone that I can share life with. Do you have someone in your life that honestly has God's best in mind for you? If you don't, you need to get into that kind of a relationship. One of the best ways to get into that kind of a relationship is to get into a life group. You need someone that can hold you accountable. You could be vulnerable with, and they're not just going to pat you on the back and be like, it's okay, it'll get better. They can look you in the eye and say, no, that's not best for you. Let me help you. We run best together, and you are not going to finish well on your own. You're going to need people around you to cheer you on. Get into a life group. Get into meaningful relationships. Get into friendships with others that have God's best in mind for your life. So here, here's my challenge to you. And my, my hope and my dream is within the, within the reach of LifeHouse, I know that we have political leaders, we have business leaders, we have, we have community leaders, we have pastors and church leaders. 
You're you're a leader in your home. You're you're a mom influencing your children. You're a, you're an employee in a workplace environment. You you have others that are watching your life and my hope, my prayer is that you live your life to finish well. Because others are watching how you're running and they're pacing their life with you and if you wreck your life, you're set them up for failure. So let's run well, let's finish well. And so there's a lot of others around you depending on you to finish well. But I don't want you to carry an inordinate amount of pressure that you can't achieve on your own. That begins with you living your life devoted to Jesus. But if you, so if you are not at a place where you've made that commitment to Jesus, maybe this is your moment to say, yeah, I don't want to destroy my life. Or maybe you're like Troy and you've looked at how you've wrecked your life. Others have wrecked your life. And you're like, I need to turn things around today. And you're ready to make a commitment and say yes to Jesus. If that's where you're at, then you take a moment and you pray. Just say, Jesus, I'm willing to believe in you by faith. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting your spirit to come into my spirit. Would you transform me so that I can begin to live and run well? Others of you believe in Jesus, but man, you've got, you don't just have some seedlings growing. You've got some sin trees growing up in your life that's now producing fruit. What an awesome opportunity right now to say, Jesus, forgive me with the confidence that God reaches into our life and he uproots things that would destroy us. He forgives us of sin and he gives us a new life. So would you allow me to take a moment and just pray over you right now? Would you join me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for each of those that are part of LifeHouse. Thank you for Chambersburg Campus and every new person that is here today. Thank you for our Cinemas Campus. Thank you for our Wilson Campus and for every person that has come and is calling LifeHouse Church home. Thank you for those that have come out skeptical. Thank you for those that have come out doubting. Thank you for those that have come out and they're not sure if the church really has the answer. I hope that what they find is that the church isn't the answer. Jesus, that you're the answer. And the faith that we're going to keep is keeping us. Jesus, we, we give you our life and our future right now. And we say, God, would you help us? Because on our own, we're not going to finish well. But God, we trust you that you will empower us and enable us to finish well. God, forgive us of sin all across LifeHouse in this community where sin is growing and sin is producing fruit. God, would you forgive and would you remove and uproot those strongholds in our lives so that, God, we could be free to plant seeds of righteousness. God, would you give us good friendships and help us to be a good friend so that we run well together and we finish well together. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.